In fact, I felt so good last night that I bought my ticket to come back for November the 12th. So, I'm like a bad penny. I keep coming back. You know, we could say a lot of things about Joseph. We could say that he was young. We could say that he was a bit spoiled. I I certainly can understand why his brothers are jealous, can't you? It's an, under, it's an understatement to, uh, to say that Joseph generally had poor relationships with his brothers. Truth is, most of them wanted to kill him. What's so special about Joseph? What sets him apart from his brothers and makes him the focus of the rest of the book of Genesis, the last 14 chapters of Genesis? Focus on Joseph, the Joseph story. The thing that sets him apart was this. He had a dream. That's right, a dream. We read of it in verse verse 5 of the text for this morning. I think it's true that congregations and people who make a difference, congregations and people who survive hardship and difficulty with their integrity intact congregations and people who find strength to face demanding times, congregations and people who can maintain their faith when all the circumstances around them work against that faith are people who have been and are possessed by a dream. We used to live on Centerwood Street in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I hated the house. It was my wife's idea. The kids thought it was haunted. (laughs) We sold it as soon as we could, and it was one of the better real estate decisions we ever made. We made good money on it all, and I didn't do so well on my choices. One day, we're leaving Centerwood and driving towards the church, just two or three blocks. Didn't know our neighbors. We were relatively new in that neighborhood. We'd lived on Sherrill Street, and here... At this house, there were 12, 15 cars. Well, to show you who I am, I turned to Diane and said, Diane, I wonder who died. And Diane looked at me and she said, well, I was thinking, you know, they had a party and they didn't invite us. It makes a difference. Do you have a life-giving life dream or do you have a death dream? What kind of dream? Do you have the work that the transition team started yesterday in a, in a wonderful seven-hour retreat? And by the way, it started raining right before I, I left, buckets. And in every church I've ever served, you can always find an umbrella because it rains when people come and then it quits and they leave the umbrella. Well, I looked this church over, couldn't find an umbrella. So I finally found a black trash bag in one of the closets and made a poncho for myself to get to the car. That won't cost you anything extra. I just, that was just. (laughs) But the work that the transition team began to engage in yesterday is to engage you 
the congregation in listening to God, but also listening to each other because you know more often than not God speaks to me through people like you. And you as a church will seek to articulate, to dream God's life dreams for Spring Creek Baptist Church, to strategize with how you can work with God in those dreams becoming reality. The Joseph story tells us the power of the dream, but not just any dream. It's a familiar story, this Joseph story. Younger son gets the blessing over the older ones. And why is that familiar? Well, remember Jacob, Joseph's daddy? Remember what Jacob did to Esau? Got the blessing. And yes, this is the story of our lives. We're located in here somewhere like Joseph. Some of us have been loved too much. Or like Jacob, we've been the ones loving too much. Or like the brothers, we've felt love too little. We're all in there somewhere. And maybe parts of us in more than one place. Because you see a dream threatens. It threatens From the brother's viewpoint, the kingly clothing was plenty. It was enough. It was over the top as daddy's favorite. He's gotten away with things that they would have been in big time trouble for. But the dream that one day they will bow down before him, that's just too much. Without the dream, we have no conflict, do we? Dreams tend to do that. The dream, as dreams always do, threatens the status quo. Dreams endanger the pecking order. You see, those of us who have a lot vested in the status quo, dreams are a threat. I said this to the transition team yesterday, and perhaps I said it when I was here on Wednesday night because it's, it's so true. Every church I've worked with in transition says, oh, Lane, we need to change. We just need to change, but don't change my stuff. I want Charles to change his stuff. I want Nelda to change her stuff. I want Monty to change his stuff, but don't change mine. Dreams threaten, don't they? Because Dreams mean that the future is going to be different if the dream is realized, different than the present, and we may lose something in the process, but people we have to lose in order to gain. Jesus talked about that. Dreams create anxiety. They're threatening. You know... I, I, I told the transition team this yesterday. In, in, in a church in transition, there's always anxiety. You know, what's going to happen to us? Are we going to be okay? Uh, we're going to find a pastor that we can love and a pastor that will stay with us and a pastor that will lead us in the ways that God wants us to go. And what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, in the meantime, you've got wonderful leadership. You've got Hewlett Glower, one of the finest scholars, ministers, preachers in the world. You've got Larry Stevens, steady pastoral care, administrative help. You've got Jeannie. 
you folks are in good hands. You're in good hands. It may feel like it's the wilderness, and it is, because you don't quite know what the future's going to be. But you know, God didn't abandon the Hebrew children in the wilderness. And I think you can count on God not to abandon you as well. I believe that with all my heart. Have you ever noticed that the dreaming in the world is usually done by the powerless? The ones who don't have a vested interest in the status quo. The ones for whom if things are ever going to be better, it will be in the future because it's not now. Right now, Joseph is powerless But the day is coming and the brothers see the threat and and they resolve to stop the dream at all costs. We didn't read the whole chapter, but you know the story. Some of the brothers wanted to kill him and the others said, Oh, no, no, we can't have it be too much, Daddy. Let's just, you know, let's sell him. And so they sold him into slavery. But took that beautiful cloak back to Daddy, blood-stained saying that he had died. You know, the way things worked in a community of faith 20 years ago very likely will not work in 2018 and beyond. You know, I've worked in churches that thought, well, we just need to pedal it a little faster and we need to do harder the things that quit working 10 years ago. But if we just do them harder and better, you know, that's the definition of crazy, isn't it? To keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Really, it is, isn't it? Are you afraid to dream dreams? Are you frightened of the thought of God dreaming dreams through you? Are you unwilling as a church to let God's dream come to life in your midst by being open, by being faithful? Do you find change threatening? Absolutely. Sure you do. Sure, we do. But do you press on even in the face of the threat, the doubt, the questions in order to be an active part of God's dreams? So, not only do dreams threaten, dreams provide hope and salvation. Joseph's dream will save the whole family Without Joseph, there is no future for the family. The dreams proclaim a new and different future. And for Joseph and even his brothers, although they don't know it yet, the future Joseph dreams is a prospect to be celebrated. Joseph's brothers, though, believe they can resist the dream, resolve to stop it, and they... They conclude that the way to deal with the dream is to kill it. Kill the dreamer and thereby kill the dream. That sounds familiar. It's because it is. Release Barabbas, crucify Jesus, kill the dreamer and it will kill the dream. How's that working for them? Not well. But a strong dream, an appropriate dream, God's dream won't die. It ultimately, finally will be realized whether you're a part of it or not. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? The dream will prevail if it's God's dream because the dream is stronger than their resolve to stop it. 
They deceive, they misjudge, they cover up. Resistance to the dream requires endless deception on their part. In any case, by the end of the chapter, the first verses that we read, heard this morning, the brothers feel, leave feeling pretty good. They've accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. They got rid of the dreamer, but... The narrative knows better, and we've read the rest of the story, and we know better too, don't we? We know that God's still at work. In Winnie the Pooh, Pooh and Piglet are taking a long evening walk, and they walk in silence for a a good while, and finally Piglet asks Pooh, When you wake up in the morning, Pooh, what's the first thing you say to yourself? Well, those of us who know and love Pooh are not surprised when he responds, What's for breakfast? They walk on for a little bit more and Pooh asks Piglet. And what do you say, Piglet? I say... I say, I wonder what exciting thing is going to happen today. What's something new and life-giving dream that's going to come true today? It makes a difference what kind of dream as God's people we awaken to. Is it just a breakfast dream? Or is it a life-giving, nurturing dream? freeing dream that's true for us as as individuals and us as the people of God the gathered people of God what has God accomplished through Spring Creek Baptist in the past what needs to be celebrated and kept as you move on But, but also those things that You've been trying to do harder and harder and work harder and harder at making successful and they're not successful like they were 20 years ago. Is that still God's dream for you or is that something that you need to say, well, you know, I love this, but we need to try something else. And and we as a people of God need to let that go. I don't know. That's why we're going to have conversation on November the 12th after worship service to invite the whole congregation to a meal and sit around the table and have conversation and listen to each other and hear each other, speak to each other, and maybe even hear the voice of God, the dreams of God for this congregation. What dream is God seeking to bring to pass in the future for Spring Creek Baptist Church? Is Spring Creek Baptist Church organized in a way that God's dreams can can become a reality through her? Is Spring Creek Baptist Church related to the right groups beyond 11701 North MacArthur that can help her realize and live out God's dreams? What kind of pastor, what kind of pastor does Spring Creek Baptist Church need to live out God's dreams? That's the work that the transition team will be leading you to consider. Are you personally committed to being a part of the dream, God's dream?
Will wonders never cease? Here's a spoiled, slightly arrogant. I use that, I would think a whole lot arrogant little brother. Overbearing little brother by the name of Joseph. And God's dreams begin to come to him. And be fulfilled through him. Flawed creature that he is, which ought to give you and me hope. God doesn't require us to be pristine and perfect before God will use us. If that were the case, wouldn't be many of us to be usable, would there? God can and does use arrogant, spoiled persons and grow them up into the kind of person that God wants them to be. Where there is no vision, no dream, no vision and dream of God, we perish. There's a day coming. When old men and old women will dream God's dreams. Oh, God, let it happen here. Amen.